welcome to The State of State. I'm your host, MC, here at WKNC Raleigh. The State of State is a new public affairs show aimed at creating a better sense of community here at NC State. It operates off of listeners' ideas. So if you know of anything or anyone on campus doing something worth sharing, we would love to hear your story ideas at stateofstate at wknc.org. Tonight, our first show features the NC State's Women's Center. First, we will speak with Ms. Shannon Johnson about the history of the Women's Center. The Women's Center has um, been open on NC State's campus since 1991, and um, there has been a lot of support on campus prior to that. Um, Evelyn Ryman, Associate Vice Chancellor of Student Affairs here on campus, has been a longtime supporter and advocate for the Women's Center um, and was involved from the very early stages, the roots, as you might say, of the Women's Center since 1980. Um, and she actually coordinated, sponsored the first um, Women's Week program that we had on campus in 1980, which was a series of afternoon and evening programs for campus women. Um, and then through later years, the uh, there was a Women's Student Concerns Coordinator position that first started in student health and then moved to um, student development, uh, which was a part of student affairs um, as well. And um, so there's been some groundwork done for that prior to the doors opening in 1991. I think one of my favorite stories about the beginning of the Women's Center is how the Women's Center actually came about getting the space that they um, first had. When the Women's Center first opened, um, it was because of the efforts of a student named Heloise Jones. Heloise was the uh, president of uh, the Women's Resource Coalition, a student organization on campus at the time. And she was among the student leaders and when asked at a retreat um, held in the spring of 1991 what they wanted to accomplish before leaving NC State, her response was is that she wanted to see a women's center on campus and she made it a goal. And so she marched into the interim provost's office at the time and presented her case for a women's center in the campus community and was you know, just, why don't we have a women's center on this campus? We need a safe space for women to come together. And the provost was like, this sounds good. I agree. <laughs> but it was the act of a student taking a stand for something that she believed very strongly in and going to the administration and putting that proposal forward and asking, why is this not happening? Um, this is something that's needed on campus and was able to get a positive response to that. And so the Women's Center was first given space in Nelson Hall, which is at the corner of Dan Allen and Hillsboro. Um, we were located in the basement um, of a building that was on the edge of campus. And I'm very grateful for the work that Evelyn Ryman did in later years, as well as a committee that um, kind of reviewed the the status of the Women's Center in uh, between directors in 1998, where they looked at what are the needs of the Women's Center. And at that particular point in time, they advocated to move the Women's Center to a more central location on campus rather than being marginalized on the edge of campus where students didn't feel safe walking to and from the office in the evenings. Um, 
So we are now located in Tally Student Center in the heart of campus, where we can where we are available and accessible to um, all students on campus. Thank you, Ms. Shannon Johnson, the director at NC State's Women's Center, where the mission is celebrating women 365 days a year through support, empowerment, education, and leadership development. The NC State's Women's Center challenges and motivates the hearts and minds of both men and women to achieve inclusivity and gender equality. We next spoke with Ms. Lacey Whedon. She's the assistant director at Women's Center. Ms. Lacey Whedon, what does your job entail? As the assistant director, I do a variety of programming for the office. Take Back the Night, Chocolate Festival, Love Your Body Day, just a wide variety of different things. In the spring, we do Women's Week and just just a tremendous amount of programming we do in the office. I also manage our 24-hour rape and sexual assault response line, which is uh, 24 hours a day all year round. And we have about 45 student volunteers who help with the phone line, managing that, and um, just making sure that NC State students are able to call for help um, if they need assistance or have a question about either a friend or themselves or, or someone else maybe that they know who's been raped or sexually assaulted. Okay, thank you. You seem to be pretty passionate about all these issues. Have you always felt like this, or was there something certain that sparked your interest in women's issues and working here at NC State's Women's Center? I actually used to work with, with NC State's University Housing um, for several years, and I uh, also worked with different residence halls at different universities over the years. When this position came open, I um, had unfortunately ex- experienced um, with a lot of students that I had worked with in the residence hall several rapes and sexual assaults. And so when this position came open, I knew that I could help those women, you know, provide assistance to them. But I'm definitely very passionate. My mom, when I was little, um, used to have me <laughs> wear a shirt around the... Um, around the house that said a woman's place is in the house and in the Senate. And um, I was definitely part of the now organization for women at age three. So I'm definitely, um, definitely very passionate about women's issues. At the Women's Center, you said you coordinate these activities. Such things include Chocolate Festival and Take Back the Night. Would you like to tell us a little bit about those activities? Sure. Um, Chocolate Festival we just finished, which was about two weeks ago. It was on October 7th. And that is um, a fundraiser that we created five years ago. So this past... Um, Two weeks ago was our fifth anniversary. It was created to raise awareness for breast cancer education. Um, Students, uh, we thought, okay, how can we raise awareness about the importance of early detection, checking your breasts with college women? And we knew if we had a program, probably not that many people would show up. But if we maybe brought food or, better yet, chocolate, um, we would get tons of people to come. So we've been sold out for the last three years. Faculty and staff love it. Students love it. We had about 650 people come this past time, and we raised a little over $4,000. Part of those proceeds go to our office to help our programming efforts. Um, Part of those proceeds go to breast cancer education, and part of those proceeds go to the Jenny Chang Public Policy Fund. Um, And Jenny Chang was a former student body president who passed away at the age of 28 um, from breast cancer two years ago. So we want to always remember her as a member of the Wolfpack family and um, do what we can to help her, her memorial fund. Take Back the Night um, is also something that uh, we do annually. This will be our 21st year of Take Back the Night. It'll be on Tuesday, October 28th um, at 7 p.m. in the brick area behind Tally Student Center. And uh, we start marches from three different locations at 615, uh, the West Campus Amphitheater, Greek Village, and the Quad area, which is where Barry Becton and Bagwell are. So there'll be three marches that will march from those locations to behind Tally Student Center 
and then the actual event will start at 7. Um, Take Back the Night is an event that was created to show support for sexual assault survivors as well as uh, raise awareness about rape and sexual assault and what's going on in our community and, and that we do not want to be a community where rape exists and, and we want to stop the rape culture from happening. So we have a variety of different groups and students who are very passionate about that. We have over 42 sponsors of the event this year, um, which we love, a variety of different colleges as well as student organizations and departments. If a student were wanting to become involved with the Women's Center, how would you say the best way for them to go about that is? Because it sounds like you guys do a variety of different things. Um, is there like a listserv they sign up for? Should they email you? How do they go about doing that? They can go to our website, which is www.ncsu.edu slash women's underscore center. And we have all of our information about what we do, um, our schedule of things that we've got coming up, as well as a volunteer application. There's also a, a listserv that they can sign up for on our website. They can just call us or stop by. We're located not in the health center, which a lot of people are uh, think that we're located in the health center because we're not women's health. We're not gynecology. We are Women's Center, which is located in Tally on the third floor, room 3120. So um, come to our office if you need anything, um, and we will definitely get you situated. So obviously with a name like the Women's Center, the question arises, if you're going to volunteer, do you need to be a female? Absolutely not. We have tons of men who are involved in the Women's Center. Uh, We have, uh, out of the 45 um, advocates we have for our Rape and Sexual Assault Hotline, about eight of those um, students are men. Um, We also have um, different student organizations um, that we advise. Men Against Rape is one of those organizations, as well as the movement. We have several um, male peers who are involved in in the movement. We also have students who are very passionate about breast cancer, maybe because a mom or a grandma was affected by breast cancer. So we'll have male volunteers help us out with the chocolate festival every year. So just a wide variety of different opportunities for men to get involved, because all all of our issues are everyone's issues, not just women's issues. Have you guys at the Women's Center faced any opposition in any of the things that you've tried to accomplish here? We definitely, um, well, we get the question, why is there a Women's Center quite frequently? Um, And why isn't there a Men's Center? Um, And if you look at statistics for a variety of different things, women still are not paid equal pay for equal work. Um, And we have definitely had... Um, students share with us um, their concerns about when they've graduated they haven't been able to get maybe a job as easily as a male counterpart and they have the exact same skill set or maybe they weren't paid the exact uh, similar rate that their male counterpart was and they have the exact same again skill set and degree so uh, while we would love to think that women are equal um, in 2008 it, it doesn't Um, it's not happening. So uh, we at the Women's Center definitely want to make sure that women are empowered um, and that they feel valued and that we are here to support them and provide them with leadership skills. We also do uh, a variety of of different leadership opportunities for women to make sure that they are are prepared to go out into society and they definitely um, should demand equal pay for equal work and you know, a variety of different things that society kind of has let us think that we are maybe less than and we are not. We are definitely equal to. The need for a women's center seems so obvious now. We're lucky to have these people at NCSU. But it seemed we were still lacking or missing something. That's when Juliet Grimmett was hired as our rape prevention education coordinator. So what do you do? Okay, well, it means a lot of different things. Primarily, I am the um, programmer for the whole campus related to sexual and relationship violence prevention. And um, uh, 
wide variety of things are components of that but my main projects are that I uh, advise two student groups men against rape in the movement I teach a class for um, peers that want to be in the movement to do sexual and relationship violence programs so that I'm not the only one doing education programs it's much more interesting when it's students doing it instead of a staff and I also uh, chair the Campus Alliance for Sexual Assault Prevention which is made up of about 18 to 20 different offices on campus and we meet monthly to talk about sort of the you know how the the university itself and staff can also contribute to preventing sexual violence and what work we can do together um, another piece separately is I also uh, do some work with survivors as well so um, we're a safe place confidential place for survivors of sexual assault or stalking or relationship violence to be able to come to get information um, confidentially and anonymously about ways that you know whether it's they need letters to their professors to take time off or they want someone to go to the police station with them or just want to know what they need to do all those are the I guess sort of the umbrella of the services I provide. Wow that's a lot you've been with us since February 2007 what did you do prior to this um, to gain kind of the experience and the knowledge to want to do this or what piqued your interest in this position? Uh, I've actually been doing sexual violence work for about almost 14 years. Just before I came here, I was doing my master's in public health at Chapel Hill. But uh, And even when I was there, actually, the work I was doing was similar. I worked in the Dean of Students Office in the Women's Center there to try and get their sexual violence programming going because they didn't really have anything on their campus. But prior to that, I started off my professional career working at a rape crisis center as their um, frontline advocate and I did that for four years and went to the hospital just about at least once or twice a week with survivors from children to the elderly to get rape kit exams and go to court with them and coordinate services and then um, always had an interest in doing campus work and actually as an undergrad at the University of South Carolina I was a peer educator similar to to what the movement peers do here on campus and so I did a lot of that work and ended up going back to the University of South Carolina and doing primarily the advocacy and education over there. I was a program director for sexual and relationship violence services there for two to three years and then decided to go to graduate school. So um, I've always been feminist. I've always been very connected to women's issues and violence against women and, and certainly men as well. You've mentioned a couple times now these two different groups, Men Against Rape and the movement. What's the difference between these two groups? Who do they who do they help and what do they do? They're both wonderful, wonderful groups. Um, when I came to campus, Men Against Rape had already been an entity here, and I was fortunate enough to adopt them. And their primary purpose is to be a group of men on you know male identified students that meet regularly to have discussions, you know, within themselves about sort of violence against women with a specific focus on rape. They do uh, discussions about masculinity and they look at sort of globally how these issues fit in beyond just in the campus environment. They're not trained to be peer educators where they go out and do workshops and that was a missing piece and also there's a missing piece that women, you know, it's really important to have a, a group of men that there's tons of value to that and we need to obviously have women involved in this too. So. Um, 
so with men against rape, one thing that they do, which I uh, help them with, is is every couple months they try and, and lead a campus-wide discussion on something that's really important and interesting to them. And so they, you know, I pretty much just look at it, think it's wonderful, and, and they do their thing. But they come up with topics that they think are really interesting. Um, their most recent one was looking at gender issues in Guatemala. So that's sort of what they do and and because of the missing piece I had come from a background where peer educators took a three credit class and really learned about all these issues and 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 did the frontline education on campus um, so that students could learn from them and and it really in many ways builds leadership and also career development so that we can get more you know folks involved in doing this kind of work and so I uh, was fortunate enough to get the counselor education department to buy into the idea and concept that I pulled from University of South Carolina and also pulled some piece of the curriculum from University of Virginia and UT Austin, put all of that together and created this curriculum as well as added some of my own pieces to it. And so it's a specific class. It's three credits. It's ECD 296D. And any interested student um, has to actually do an application and then have a brief interview with me to make sure that it's a safe fit for them um, and that it's, you know, going to be a, a connection that works since it's not just coming to a class. It's doing the class so that you can then be a peer educator and be part of the student organization. And so it's for men and women. I have Definitely, you know, both of them in the class, as well as last semester was the first cohort to go through, and they decided that they wanted to name themselves the movement. I let up to 15 students, you know, because of the just restrictions and because it's such a discussion-oriented class, it's it's nicer to have a smaller size. And so um, last semester I had 12, this semester I have 12 students, and they're fantastic, very energized. Uh, The movement this far has already signed up to do 36 workshops just through October and have completed, I think there's nine left for for the rest of the month, but they do massive amounts (laughs) of wonderful workshops and actually pay them to do workshops once they're done because I really believe that they have a skill that they should be, you know, compensated for and that it's a real service to university that they should be paid for. So traditionally when we think about and even using the word rape prevention, which is helpful to clarify, what we usually see are like articles in the technician, top 10 safety tips of how not to be raped. And it's carry your pepper spray, don't walk alone, take self-defense, go in groups, don't do this, don't wear that, you know, those kinds of messages, which we're all very clear are intended for women, put the responsibility of rape on women um, and survivors. And they also don't really prevent a rape from happening, right? If you're being attacked to use pepper spray or self-defense, you're, an attack has already occurred. So this is not true prevention. And it, again, it, it puts all the responsibility on the people who survive it as opposed to thinking about what's going on in our culture that allows for rape to be so pervasive. The approach with the class, we don't ever, and even in the workshops that they do, we don't do anything called risk reduction. They're never going to tell you go get pepper spray, go get self-defense. Now, if that's something folks want to do, we certainly can understand that, but we also want to acknowledge that 90 to 95% of rapes on campus occur by someone that you know, so either your dating partner, you know, anyone close in your close-knit circle, and so all those skills and these safety tips don't apply to the majority of rapes and, again, put the responsibility on survivors. So what's important about the aspect that the peers take is that 
their prevention approach is to teach people to stand up and be bystanders and intervene and also to model that themselves. And that's a huge component of the course is that they're expected to weekly and sort of incorporate into their life do bystander interventions, whether it be when they hear a sexist joke to intervene and sort of challenge people to think about why is that funny and what does that sort of mean in our culture why you know while that doesn't directly contribute to rape it does create a culture with a power differential of men and women and power is the motivation for rape so it does create this culture um, and space for rape to occur so they do that and at the end of every class we sort of have updates on the successes and challenges of bystander interventions and whether it's from intervening with language or oftentimes there's plenty of stories of you know folks are at parties or out and they see someone being really offensive to somebody else so for example maybe some guys smack in the butt of everybody all the women that are at the party and traditionally what happens is women leave in those situations right so the women again are the ones that are suffering and the perpetrator is still there. So so what we're trying to do is rather than, and, and I know I'm making this specific to women, but because um, we know certainly men experience this, but rather than punishing the folks that are being victimized, we're trying to create that cultural shift where why is this person doing it in the first place? And let's get him out of the party. <laughs> let's get the person that's abusing other folks out of the party. And so endless you know once these students have really started talking about it, they're they're feeling enlightened and really exposed to realizing the impact that they can make and that really studies show us that that's the most effective form of of prevention at this age and so there's that piece and the other big piece that they do is activism so every other week they have to do some kind of activism whether it's write a letter to a newspaper or to a company, or to an agency, or to a technician, or whatever it is, whether it's you wrote this great story about some kind of social justice issue, preferably about violence against women or men, and you know, sort of to practice while they're learning how to do it verbally in their in their own communities. This is a way to learn how to how to write about it too with limited um, space, and so that's something that they have to do every other week is to try and either say, great job, keep writing articles like this, or this is really offensive, here's why I'm a college student, I'm not going to buy your products anymore until you make a change. And so it's really encouraging that activist piece. And so that's where the term, the movement came from, because in the first group, we kept trying to come up with a name, or they kept trying to come up with a name. And we kept on saying, you know, you all are a movement, you're trying to make this change. And they thought, that's what we are, we're the movement, you know, that's exactly what we're doing. We're trying to move the culture move the language, move, you know, all this kind of stuff and to put the responsibility on perpetrators and not survivors. How would you suggest if people have interest in this course, they contact you via email or what would be the best way for them to look into that? Yeah, absolutely. So, and just to finish that, once they're done with the course, you know, once they graduate from the course and get, you know, a B or higher, which you will get it. <laughs> as long as you're interested and participate it's it's a really interesting class then they're part of the student organization and so uh, now we luckily have this great group of students so one way that a lot of students are recruited or can find out is just by being at the workshops that the students do 
Um, but ultimately, you know, if you're not at one, you can certainly contact the Women's Center, specifically me. My phone number is 513-3232, or you can email me. And either way, the course is closed. So you can't actually register for it because we have to, you have to do the application and everything and get approval. But um, yeah, the best way is just contact me. The, actually, we also have a website, ncsu.edu backslash the movement. And if you pull that up, it has all the information. It has who the peers are. So you might even know some of them uh, if you check that out. And it has information about th- what they do, who they are, and then how to, how to sign up and that kind of thing. Also, this month, October, I noticed that uh, the Women's Center certainly has a lot going on. You guys have the Chocolate Fest, um, an awareness of your body day. Oh, and up and coming is Take Back the Night. Did you like to say anything about that? Anything related to interpersonal violence is really where you can always find me. So Take Back the Night, and then also we had a huge program yesterday called These Hands Don't Hurt, which was outside on the brickyard that was sponsored by the Movement Peers with a lot of help from the Men Against Rape. Um, men as well, where folks did handprints of their pledge to be nonviolent. And so that was a huge success. We had over 400 people that painted their hands. So I definitely want to highlight that, which was really wonderful. And lots of great conversations with people too. And it was nice because there were several couples that came together and did their prints on top of each other, which I thought was really powerful to see as well, to pledge together um, to not be you know, use their hands in safe ways. That was one big event. But yes, we have Take Back the Night coming up on Tuesday, October 28th, um, which is going to be fantastic. We have a a really diverse program this year. It's our 21st annual Take Back the Night. We usually have about five, 600 people that come. We have several marches that start at 615 um, from different locations on campus for East Quad, West Quad, and Greek Village. Anybody can come, and they're marching to the back of the Tally Student Center. We'll have um, dance visions there to do some performances. We'll have music playing. At this point, there are three survivors that are scheduled to tell their stories, and they're NC State students, and their stories are incredibly powerful. And there's folks doing poetry and all kinds of things, and then an opportunity for a speak out at the end. And we're also going to have a wall um, similar like we did for These Hands Don't Hurt, but we're going to have a canvas for folks to honor survivors so that folks can draw a peace symbol in honor of either themselves who've survived a rape or sexual abuse or um, somebody close to them and you have the option to write them a message or write their first name or, or whatever it is so we're trying to include all of that as a way to honor people's voices. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? So I guess I just want to end by uh, honoring all of the, I I mean, since I've been here in February of last year, I feel I've just met unbelievable students that are so committed to doing this work and so interested and care so much. And so I I really just want to encourage anybody out there who either needs support, uh, you know, personally or for a friend to please come to the Women's Center um, and certainly, you know, speak to me. Uh, about ways that that maybe I can help you and sort of guide navigate things for you um, on campus in particular and then also if you want to do this work and and lots of students that do this work are also survivors I certainly encourage you to apply to be a peer educator and and if you're not ready to be at a level where you want to do workshops then join um, men against rape if you're a man and or join both they're both they're both wonderful and different and also work together That was Juliette Grimmett of the NC State Women's Center. You're listening to The State of State on WKNC. To hear this program again and subscribe to the podcast, go to wknc.org backslash state of state. After speaking to Juliette, I thought I'd go and talk to some of the members of these groups.
I talked to Curtis Gray, a senior here at NC State. He's involved in both Men Against Rape and the movement. Yes, I am involved in the group called The Movement. It's a peer education group, and we educate others on interpersonal violence and how it is a societal problem. Okay, and societal problem, what does that mean? Well, by societal problem, we mean that this is rape and rape culture is a problem perpetuated by our culture itself. Um, often we're taught about a method called risk reduction. And risk reduction is the traditional ways, preventative ways of preventing rape, such as carry a whistle, carry pepper spray, don't walk alone, etc. Um, these are important factors to consider. Um, however, it is also important to know that 95% of all rapes are acquaintance rapes. So what we do is we look at it from a societal point of view, as in... So by societal problem, we mean how are we, as a whole, perpetuating rape? Uh, and it comes down to rape culture. Um, what is rape culture? Rape culture is um, those aspects in our culture that perpetuate rape. Media, objectification of women, our use of language. Our goal in the movement is to educate others on how to decrease and ultimately stop these aspects of our culture and to learn how to become bystanders, help to educate others on how to stop it. So what got you interested in these types of things? You sound pretty passionate, like that you understand the movement pretty well, but obviously the movement uh, is a new thing here on campus. So what, what piqued your interest in women's issues? Uh, well, that is, um, see, that's a, a tough question. Not really tough, but hard to explain. Um, it's kind of personal, but when I was younger, um, about seven years old, uh, my mom told me, and she has told me that it's okay for me to share this, um, but that when she was in high school, she was raped. Uh, and I remember being a seven-year-old child, I remember feeling not that I was violated, but just to know that my mom was violated, it was one of the worst feelings I have ever felt. Um, because this is one of the most important women in my life. And the feeling of lack of control there is something I'll never forget. Uh, and of course, being seven years old, um, you know, I didn't know what to do with this. So it just kind of stayed buried. Um, and then as I got older, uh, I started becoming more interested in uh, gendered issues, women's rights. Um, and eventually I took uh, the Molly Hayes Glander Rape Crisis Hotline, crisis hotline training. And uh, that was kind of my basis, the knowledge that I have acquired over the years. And then I picked up uh, my minor in Women and Gender Studies, and that helped uh, learn about societal aspects um, in rape culture. And then eventually um, me and some other people uh, created Men Against Rape, and it's just kind of gone up from there.
So what is Manigan Stripe? Manigan Stripe is a it's an official NCSU organization. Um, it is composed solely of men, although we do a lot of outside activities where we always want women to be involved. Um, our goal is to educate ourselves and educate others through giving group discussions and workshops um, about rape and rape culture. Um, but yeah, we do different outside activities as well as educating ourselves and talking about the issue in our meetings. Um, we recently did our flag exhibition and what that is is we take 14,000 flags, um, little tiny flags, to represent the female population at NC State and we put them in the Court of Carolinas and these flags are red and white. 25% of the flags are red and that represents the statistic that one in four women will be a survivor of rape or attempted rape by the time they graduate college. So that's about 3,500 flags um, representing 3,500 lives. And we do this because it's just a really powerful representation, visual representation, and it helps people understand how big of a problem this is. I think that's a wonderful thing to do. It's so scary to hear that large number of women. I mean, one in four, so many of us around here. Where do you see yourself going from here? Um, after college, how do you see these, these parts of your life uh, continuing on? Well, um, I'm graduating in May, which is a good thing because this is my this is my sixth year here. <laughs> um, I am. Where do I see myself going? I I'm going to take a gap year, um, and I'm not sure what I'll do in there. But I want to go to graduate school for clinical social work, uh, and I'll want to concentrate on people who have suffered from domestic violence. Um, I've also recently gotten into the matter of human trafficking and I see myself working with anti-human trafficking groups at some point um, and possibly using my skills from graduate school in that area to help survivors get back into the community. For our listeners out there tonight, um, how do you suggest they become involved with either of these groups? What are the necessary steps or, you know, what are any recommendations that you can give? Um, well, if you want to get involved in Men Against Drape, we have a Facebook page um, with our contact info on it. And if you're interested in the movement, you can contact the Women's Center. Is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners tonight? Take Back the Night is tomorrow night at 6.15. Uh, it'll start in various locations, and they'll march to the courtyard behind Tally Student Center, and that's where the ceremony will take place. And also, I'd just like to thank all of my peers in Men Against Drape and the movement. Uh, they've really helped me through some tough times, um, and I've learned a lot from them. Thanks, Curtis, for sharing your story. I know it's not always easy to talk about these things. After I talked to Curtis, I went and looked for someone else to speak with. I found Emily. I asked her about her story. My name is Emily Polonsky, and I'm a member of the movement on campus. As a member of the movement, uh, what do you do, and what got you involved with the movement? 
Well, I'm sexual assault uh, awareness co-coordinator for the month of sexual assault awareness month. And um, I got involved with the movement as part of the sort of inaugural class um, spring semester last year. I heard about the class through an email through the Women's Center listserv, and it sounded like something that would be interesting to me, so I decided to apply for it and interviewed and got into the class. And as a component of the class, you effectively are trained to give like talks to people. Uh, what can you say to that, and what all is that involved, or you know, what have you learned through that process? Yes, um, in the class we are trained to do, um, largely we do a lot of workshops. We do workshops on sexual violence and relationship violence. Um, learning just, you know, not only the statistics and the facts specific to those kinds of workshops, which are really helpful to understanding rape culture in general and educating people in that, but also just learning how to lead a group to do workshops at all or to speak publicly about any kind of topic because rape is not easy to talk about at all um, neither is stalking or any of the other things that we cover um, and I think that's really been helpful in a lot of different fields in life and not just um, with the group so I think it can help with uh, not just with our group. Have you always been involved with women's issues or was this, you know, when you came to college, you decided to try something new? I know you said that you got an email from Listserv, but, you know, what was that What was that spark that kind of made you say, yeah, that sounds like something that would fit for me? Well, um, ever since I was young, I was always raised with a sort of feminist ideolo- ideology. I know my mother definitely is a very strong woman and always told me that I could do whatever I wanted gender not even having an effect on that you know and then having that reinforced however sillily you know third grade and on by you know girl power from the Spice Girls and all that sort of jazz um I was just had an affinity you know for women's issues for the issues of anyone any oppressed group and social justice has just always been really big for me since I was really young how do you see the movement affecting your life um, in the future when you leave NC State? Well, I know that the work that I've done and um, and helping this group grow, and I know it'll still remain strong even after I graduate, so knowing that I had an effect on that and that this will continue to be something important on campus even after I leave, I think that'll be really important. Um, in my life specifically, um, aside from the ability to speak publicly and engage people in discussions about things that aren't difficult uh, to speak about. Um, I think just the encouragement um, in class and then even after the class is over um, to just be an activist and to speak out and, and help and volunteer whenever you see something that is that you can change in the world because you can change the world. Um, I think that really is a, is a helpful part that will be with me in my life even after I leave. And so what would you say for those people that are now so inspired and care to be a part of the movement or Men Against Rape or any of these wonderful activities that the Women's Center has to offer? I say if you feel like you have an interest in any of these issues that we talk about um, and you want to get involved, you definitely should. We're very welcoming. Um, 
And uh, if you're interested in taking the class, I mean, I know registration is going on right now and there's still space. So you can you can pick up an application for that from the Women's Center, which is on the third floor of Tally. And um, I just come on out to our events. You can find out about those. We have a Facebook group. Um, tomorrow night, in fact, is going to be Take Back the Night. Um, and that'll be there are marches from different parts on campus. And those will all convene uh, in front of Tally or I guess behind Tally. Um, so you can come out to that and, um, just come and talk to us in person. We hope that you're interested in helping out and we hope that it's something that you care about because we care about it too. That's what I was trying to kind of pick out, but I feel like you've kind of like enunciated a lot of things that, are there any last thoughts you'd like to leave us with tonight? Um, yes. Uh, even though we talk about, you know, some heavy stuff, I mean, no one wants to talk about relationship violence and sexual violence and things like that, which is kind of why we have workshops on them because people don't talk about it uh getting involved with a group of just like-minded people and and having that sort of optimistic fuel that you can change the wrong in the world is just so inspiring and it's so much fun and it's awesome to be around people like that so i highly recommend getting involved in something you feel passionate about whether that be our group the movement or anything else on campus thank you emily and finally i leave you with a thought from lacey whedon Definitely just get involved, whether it's, um, whether it's with the Women's Center, if it's another organization on campus. Election is right around the corner, so we just encourage everyone to get out and vote. Uh, we showed a film um, a couple weeks ago called Iron Jawed Angels, which is an HBO film. Um, and it talks about women's suffrage and what women went through to get to right to vote. And we had so many students leaving there saying, is that a true story? Is that what really happened? And yes, women really, uh, really fought hard to get the right to vote. And it's not, um, it shouldn't be taken lightly. So definitely we encourage people to get out and vote in this election. It doesn't matter who you're voting for. We just want to make sure that you get out and vote. That's all we have for tonight. Thank you for tuning in to WKNC 88.1 Raleigh for the State of State. I'm NC. And a special thanks goes out to all those involved for making this show possible. Remember to send your ideas to stateofstate at wknc.org. And don't forget, Take Back the Night is tomorrow night, Tuesday, October 28th at 6.15. Good night.